Welcome to the Braving the Waves and Bridging the Gap podcast, stories of unsinkable resilience and resolving stigma. I'm your host, Michaela, and each week we explore stories with young people in our communities. You'll leave with a refreshing take on storytelling that will encourage you to venture deeper into and perhaps share your own story. Thank you so much for listening. That's a step in and of itself. And enjoy this week's episode. This week, I speak with Stephanie Salso, who is an incredibly passionate and devoted teacher. And I'd actually like to read you a couple of passages uh, from her unsinkable story before we begin. When I was formally diagnosed with autism and ADHD, my doctor told me that a mental illness is something prevalent in neurodivergent individuals because of the constant attempt to fit in to a world that is not meant for them. This is usually because those formerly known as having Asperger's or high-functioning ASD appear able to cope with the demands of life in school, jobs, and relationships. So I decided that I was going to be the best version of myself that I could be. I went on trips by myself and had a great time. I even met a celebrity idol of mine at a show taping in LA and embarked on my first cruise in ages. I find the message of being unsinkable very fitting as I love traveling by sea. It's important to try and remind myself that despite the occasional stormy weather, there is always a change in the sky soon after and help available in the event of an unexpected rescue. On our last vacation, I noticed our ship docked near the first cruise I had traveled on by myself. There was a fitting connection between the person I am, both currently and formerly. There is room for both of us at the same port. It is nice knowing that whatever the weather, I know I can hunker down and ride out the storm. Plus, it's always nice to be able to attend some real magic shows every now and then where I get to be the spectator. This conversation is so good and just filled with Stephanie's passion and resilience for being a teacher and just in life in general. Enjoy. Awesome. Alrighty, well, we are here with Stephanie today, and I have really been looking forward to this conversation because I so enjoyed working with you on crafting your story and coming up with some of the wonderful metaphors that you had throughout um, and just, yeah, how vulnerable and honest you were. So very excited to have you and I'm very grateful. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Michaela. It was very nice working with you and the Unsinkable team, and I'm looking forward to further telling my story. Amazing. Okay, well, to get started, I always like to start with the six word story because I think it's such a fun jumping off point um, and way for thinking about, you know, how do we <laughs> compact our story into six words in a way that's really helpful for listeners to kind of use as a takeaway message. So I am curious if you could tell your story in six words, what would those six words be and why? Um, I think I got it down to 10. <laughs> if I can have four extra words. Um, I've always been a big fan of musicals. The first one my parents took me to was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, the it was the Donny Osmond version. And he has this really heartbreaking song when his character is put into jail um, in the middle. And if you listen to the lyrics, a lot of it's a metaphor for mental illness and then all of a sudden it's the end of act one and they have this big 
disco song about everybody trying to get him in a good mood. And they had this line that the audience really laughed at uh, because it's obviously based on um, a Bible story where it says, everybody says, we've read the book and you come out on top. So the idea that all the mm-hmm. characters are like saying, you know, we, we've, we've skipped ahead. You can't skip ahead, but we've skipped ahead. So it's okay. <laughs> You're going to be all right. So that's a lyric that I think about a lot of times if I'm feeling down. Yeah, I love that. I love Donny Osmond too. And just <laughs> <laughs> all of that music. Um, yeah, no, that's really, really an interesting way of thinking about it. And like, yeah, at what points in our lives, I think, do we wish we could look ahead? Um, and I know I'm definitely guilty of that when I read. I'm like, oh, I got to know what happens mm-hmm. to this character. Like, <laughs> have to know what happens next. And we can't do that in our lives. And we kind of just have to hope and kind of carry that, you know, reassurance that hopefully things will work out. And by the time you get to the end, there's, you know, something that's been gleaned from it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't heard that way of, of thinking about it before. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. And I'm curious if you had any kind of creative process that you leaned on kind of in coming up with what your six words are going to be or or in just creating your story in general when you first wrote it with Unsinkable um, and what kind of that was like generating language for, for what you'd experienced. Well, I really like the unsinkable metaphor. Um, and I, sometimes I find writing difficult. If I look at things, I don't like to do what everybody else does. So there was obviously the thing about, mm-hmm. you know, unsinkable, that makes sense. Um, the organization was founded by Silken Laman. Um, but also a lot of people use that. I've heard that a lot with, we are all in the same boat, but we're not in the same storm. So I kind of led with that and thought, what do I have as a real life example? Um, you know, not just the metaphor, but the literal meaning of that. And I came up with the story of um, when I went on my first trip by myself and I really kind of saw that um, there were a lot of challenges that I had, but I, I could do it. And uh, even though my first trip solo was not on a cruise ship, I went back to that idea. And then I had this spark of inspiration when I was traveling in March with my husband of the two boats side by side, the first cruise ship ever went on by myself. And then uh, the first, well, one of the first cruises I went on um, once we got married. So not saying that everything's okay now that I have a partner, but just this idea that I was doing things without someone and that was okay. And then I found someone else and that was okay. So I think we need to look at things like, you know, people lose jobs all the time or they don't get opportunities that they think they might get. Some of those are for reasons that, you know, have yet to be revealed, kind of like that we read the book and you come out on top. But sometimes um, it's an opportunity for us to look at a different path and think about um, what might happen. And that I never liked the idea when people were saying, you're single, like that was bad. When I went on my trips by myself, nobody was really like, oh, that's too bad. It was like, oh, that's really amazing. That's really neat. (laughs) One person on the boat said, I wish I was here by myself. So (laughs) I'm not quite sure what was going on with who she was traveling with. But that always, that always uh, thing about grass is greener on the other side sometimes, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages for a lot of things that people go through. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I think you touched on something really important too, just as 
women were kind of told like, you know, your life is incomplete unless you have a partner. Um, and that's, it's not true. And I think you can travel and do a lot of things. And that space is so important for growth and kind of reflecting and, um, you know, just parsing through the things that have come up and that we've experienced. And I also love that the metaphor of like, just water in general and how uncertain like the ocean is and waves that come at you that you don't necessarily anticipate and the weather um, and trying to navigate that as well as we can when it's coming at us. So in such an unpredictable way. Um, And I really loved, yeah, how you carried that through your story. Um, Yeah. A powerful, powerful metaphor for sure. Yeah. Amazing. And I think that's a really good lead into to the little kind of fill in the blanks <laughs> poem exercise that I sent. And I would love if you had a chance to do that, if you would like to read it. Um, and then we can kind of unpack how that, uh, how that came up. Um, I'm looking at a lot of different things that I've done in my life. Um, I keep hearing the term glow up, you know, younger kids keep saying oh, look at my picture when I've had this glow up. And people tend to um, look at that as a physical thing. But I think the word Mm -hmm. glow up can be used in terms of uh, what someone has gone through. So maybe not necessarily that their previous self was not great. Like one of the things I can't stand is when I watch a movie and a character has a makeover. You know, sometimes that's bringing up the best self. Sometimes I feel it's a little bit like, oh, you made them into what the other person thought they did should be. So I think just the idea of whoever coined the term, it's the idea of you're not growing up, you're glowing up as in, you know, you're learning from things, but it's also making you feel better. I couldn't really put it into words as a poem. I'm sure there's someone out there that's put something like a song lyric or something. But this idea that we have that we look, at who we are in the past. And a lot of that is what we learn from. And I found that when I was younger, I didn't have a lot of support from people. I don't know if it's better or worse now with all the social media. I often think back and think I couldn't have done my teenage years if I'd had, you know, people Twittering or Instagramming um, a bunch of stuff. But this idea that mm-hmm. you look at what you have in the past and you get more support and you learn more things and you find more people that you have in common with. Like I, I often tell my students that as a teacher, you know, like you have people now that you're in a very small group. But once you get into bigger, bigger groups like university and out in the world, you'll find more people that are like you, especially now with the Internet. That's one good thing about it. So just that idea of the personality glow up or, you know, I do things now like being on stage I would never have done if I was um, a teenager. And I get happy when I see my friends, kids doing things, even students they'll do some of those talent shows and they'll say, oh, I messed up. And I said, yeah, but you got on stage and you had the courage to do it. So, you know, yeah. that's that's a victory in and of itself, even if you completely bomb it. I think that's what people need to remember. And I think that's what sets them back from trying a lot of different things is they're afraid of people's reactions. There's something about being a kid where there's this magical throwaway where you don't care when you're very, very young about what people think. And then there's this awful phase where you care about what everybody thinks. And then you go back when you get older, um, where you don't care sometimes when you're a parent and you do all the dorky things that, you know, (laughs) your parents to be you with. So 
sometimes that's a good thing to, mm-hmm. to not be so worried about failing or, or what everybody else is going to say or comment on. Yeah, oh, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's really important yeah, to think about that idea of glowing up as coming from within because there's also like we glow and radiate when you know we're healthy like it doesn't necessarily have to be (laughs) like physical like enhancements whether it's that's makeup or whatnot but like your your energy just kind of like is different when you are healthy and mentally well and that's like glowing in a way and other people pick up on that and notice that and tune into that frequency if you will um and i think that's yeah a really important distinction um that it's not always a a physical thing that you notice which is just along that line of mental health as something you don't necessarily see something you feel and have to recognize that feeling in other people too amazing and for that little exercise with the fill in the blanks were you able to yeah. fill those in or it's totally okay if not but yes amazing would love to hear what you wrote um, for that so the first one you said was i braved the storm um so i braved the storm when i went on a solo trip by myself literally and figuratively um i didn't hang around waiting to find someone who could go with me i kind of went on on my own and i had a really good time the past me and the present me again with the glow up um, I think I'd be really proud. Uh, people often talk about, I'm a science fiction fan of the, um, the paradox that you can't go back and change time because the reason why you would need to go back doesn't exist if you've actually succeeded. But I think if I could go back, I would say I'm really proud of myself. I'm hoping yeah. if someone could come back from the future, they would say that I've continued to stay off course. And the fill in the blanks, um, yeah, I just, I want to be a role model to others. That's why I'm sharing my story. Um, sometimes I feel like if I'd had a story growing up, um, it would have helped me better. Uh, I would hope that we're getting more of a positive attitude towards mental health. But, you know, with many aspects of society, I know we have a long way to go. And one of the uh, things I look for is I am unsinkable. And I was thinking of what I was going to answer last night. And I remember when you were in elementary school and they would do the the paper cup experiment where you would shove the, the paper towel into the bottom of the paper cup. And if you put it in the water, if it turns sideways, everything gets all wet and destroyed. So the riddle is, how do you put it so that it gets dry? If you push it down, that vacuum protects it and it comes out and it's, you know, it's un... Uh, un- I'm trying to think it, it's not, it's not wet. It's not torn apart. Um, it's the same principle that people use mm-hmm. when they do. I've done helmet diving before. So to go back to what I've done when I'm mm-hmm. on vacation, when you do helmet diving, you go down and your face doesn't get wet. There's nothing on your face. It's like totally separate from the water, even though you're right there. Um, so everything's kind of swirling around you. Yeah. You're in your own element, so to speak. And it's really kind of interesting to see. And, uh, being involved in various ways with different organizations. Um, I try to make use of my time in a good way. I've chosen not to be a parent. So part of me is thinking, well, how do I give back? Um, how do I make use of my time? Because parenting takes up a lot of your time. So I do a lot with big brothers and sisters. I try to volunteer a lot. I'm in a very fortunate position financial wise. So I try to use that um, in terms of when I do activities, I never pick something that 
I necessarily get paid for. I try to think of something that either I really enjoy or would help me be better or um, can help out people around me, especially organizations like the arts that aren't as funded as much as other uh, uh, extracurriculars or other people's hobbies. Yeah. Amazing. No, I love that. And I love that. Yeah. You've got that connection to the community um, in a really unique way. Um, I think that's really important because that's really how stories are connected to, right. And how we share them is when we're able to connect with other people and be in community and in spaces with them. And I think especially people who are on different life paths than us or have different experiences and identities. So yeah, amazing. And I'm curious too, like for your circle or the people who are in your life who you really lean on or count on or have supported you, um, how do you think or what words do you think they would use to to celebrate you and sharing your story and everything that you're advocating for now? How do you think, yeah, they would lift you up? I think two of the people I'm thinking of most are, um, I have a friend who passed away mm-hmm. from cancer about 10 or so years ago, and she was very close to me, and she would always try to encourage me. And I think she to look now, she would say, see, I told you you could do it. And, you know, I knew everything would work out. So um, when she first passed, I put her um, things that she would tell me around her photo that I had in a frame, because as time went on, I started to forget those, um, you know, as you do when you're not in contact with someone. So I would sometimes look at those now and think, oh yeah, that's something she did say. You know, I don't want to forget that. And then I did that on my um, wedding day. Um, The next day I wrote down all the the feelings and thoughts I was thinking of. So if anybody's getting married, that's what I encourage you to do because you think it'll stay in your head, but your specific thoughts will start the fade. And then I go back and look at that. I gave that to my husband on our first anniversary because I was not diagnosed um, with my neurodivergency when we first met. I always told him what what I suspected, and the whole time he was very supportive. Um, he said whether the test comes back, um, that you are a part of this community or, or it's just part of your um, eccentricities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is something that makes you you, and that's still attracted to. I'm not going to leave you. Um, it whatever happens. Um, And I think it's very interesting with mental health. Uh, I have an aunt who used to say, you only, uh, I don't like to use the C word, but crazy, when you say crazy, she she would say, oh, people consider people without money as crazy. But when you're a rich person, you're called eccentric. So Mm -hmm. it's that idea of, you know, when you have a status in society, when you're seen as someone like a creative genius or someone in the arts, or maybe even, you know, we won't name CEO of a company. That's kind of how we label, you know, creativity with mental illness. It's this idea that, oh, if you're part of a society that people see as, you know, coveted, that's when we see you as a positive way to explain that you don't think the same way as other people. If you have, you know, mental illness or you're struggling with depression, um, but you're, either a regular person or someone down on their luck. That's when people start using derogative words. And I always kind of remember that, um, which also leads to a lot of my philanthropy because mm-hmm. I've come from a privileged background that could very easily have gone a different way. Um, and I try to remember that when I see people going through things in life. Uh, people tend to look down on people 
Um, sometimes when I see stories that are viral of things that have happened in restaurants and airlines, my first thought is that's a real shame. I wonder if that person has something that they're maybe undiagnosed with or they haven't done medication for and then try to think about how to have them be better um, instead of in elementary school where a lot of it's like pointing and laughing and making comments without understanding. Yeah, so, so important. I think there's definitely in media, at least this emphasis on like high functioning people um, who have struggled in, in some way, not that, not that those stories aren't valid. They absolutely are, but there's definitely an emphasis there on like, Oh, well, you know, it's, it's more comfortable maybe for others to navigate somebody who is quote high functioning. And then is like, you're saying in that kind of boat of creative or considered a creative or an artist or whatnot, um, you know, versus some of the more difficult symptoms of, of various mental illnesses, you know, where we're not as comfortable with asking, you know, why, when some of those behaviors play out and they make us uncomfortable or we become afraid and, you know, our first instinct isn't to ask, like you just said, gosh, what's going on? Um, what help does this person need versus, you know, involving the police and, you know, whatever else into that situation. So um, really, really important, important point. Yeah. Yeah. I got my brain turning now because <laughs> I'm very passionate about that as well. So, yeah. And I know, um, I guess going back a little bit to something you are saying earlier, like, this idea of your younger self and kind of like reflecting in an interesting way on that. I am curious if you think like, and even weaving in some of the glow up terms that you're mentioning too, if you think your younger self, um, whether that's like middle school, high school, whatever age you want to go with, um, would tell your story differently than you've told it recently. Uh, I'd have to fall back. I would go. Um, it's very interesting. I teach uh, grade five, um, 10 or 11 year olds. And I think there's a reason I gravitated toward junior grades. As teachers, you find a lot of people because we have a predominant female um, workforce. Mm -hmm. They tend to gravitate to younger children. And yeah. if you see teachers in the older grades, like high school, middle school, they tend to be males because I feel they tend to gravitate toward um, how they're able to communicate more. And I always kind of find I was in the middle. I could identify with the feelings, but also with, you know, making the jokes and the funny references. Um, and I think there's something interesting about um, when you start getting into uh, the preteens now, they even have a classification for it. Um, where I see, you know, kids kind of lose their way a little bit. Um, kids that have always had a certain personality, you know, for better, for worse, they start to go into different choice making or they think, oh, I need to be friends with this person because I've been friends with them forever. I need to be friends with this person because they know this person who's very popular. And I get very nervous that they don't look at the bigger picture. So I think I would tell my story differently because up until about when I was in grade five and we moved, I thought I was pretty good. Um, and it was only when I 
moved and I started to get negative feedback from peers. Mm -hmm. I had a great quote about um, people with autism, which I am on the spectrum of, that people don't necessarily ostracize people that have disabilities, but they do look differently on people that are weird. So people that behave differently than other people, whether that's because they're neurodivergent or they have different interests. And I think that's where I would tell myself that, you know, this is because you're meant to be with the person you're meant to be with. You're meant to be with the friends you're meant to be with. You're meant to go and do the career that you want to do. So hopefully we have a tendency to forget people in our lives. Hopefully students are remembering as they grow older um, that I tried to be a good teacher that kind of inspired them around that age when you're starting to get confused over everything. Um, and I'm looking forward. Uh, I have a new group of students coming in the fall, but it's always so interesting because it's their last grade in the school. Um, our middle schools start in grade six. So those students are going to go off and I often wonder, you know, what happened to them later? You know, that this person who was, you know, the trope of popular girl are they always popular was the shy kid always the shy kid or were they like me where they kind of came out of their shell a bit so that's something interesting about my career yeah well thank you for for sharing that I think it's such a tough age that kind of like yeah 12 to 15 maybe even a little younger than that because mm -hmm. um, you're really getting that sense of like identity is starting and like navigating through how that comes out and whether that, you know, in conversation with other kids, it's coming across as, you know, a judgment or bullying or, you know, a, a lot of those things, oftentimes it's a reflection of what's going on inside um, versus, you know, I think a lot of kids are labeled as mean or bullies or, you know, whatnot, but there's, there's a lot usually going on there, N not to make excuses for the behavior, but, you know, um, there's so much going on at that age. And I think that like, it's that prime time where accountability and compassion like really have to coexist as they're fumbling through that age. So yeah, bless your heart <laughs> for <laughs> working with all those kids. Cause I know it's tough. I'm the oldest of six uh, and I'm only 25. So most of my siblings are kind of in that range or just a little bit older starting high school. So um, kind of watching them go through a lot of those similar challenges and figure themselves out. It's, it's amazing to watch, but also like brings back so many memories for myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think really our only last thing that I really wanted to do is this kind of idea of generating a story live and seeing if we can kind of use some of those prompts I shared to create that um, audio experience, I guess, for the reader. Um, and I'll preface with, we've only done it a couple of times on the podcast thus far. So bear with me, um, new idea that we're testing out. Uh, but any questions about that before we try it? Or do you have your story? Like you're good. I have, I have the general outline of it. <laughs> okay, Perfect. So kind of all I'm going to do is just guide you through those prompts. Um, and then you can kind of just answer them questions or add detail where you feel like you'd like to um and then maybe we'll kind of just debrief or talk about it a little bit after sounds good amazing okay so for this particular moment story where are you physical location weather inside outside kind of yeah get us situated and where you are in this moment i'm in the ocean 
in the ocean. Okay. Are you on, are you on a boat or you're swimming? No, I'm, I'm swimming. Swimming. Okay. And is it nighttime, daytime? Daytime. Daytime. Okay. And is it, it's warm, I'm assuming, because you're in the ocean. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Amazing. So we have warm weather. Um, What, what ocean, like, where are you kind of located? I guess the Atlantic, because that's the ocean I frequent most often if I'm on a trip. Okay. And what time of year is it? Is it summer? I would assume it's summer, but. (laughs) Um, It's probably springtime. Spring. Okay. Gotcha. There's always sometimes that month that gets super warm, like May or June, where you can sneak into the ocean. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. Five senses. So what do you see, hear, taste, touch, smell in this particular moment? Um, I see the reflection of the light in the water. It's fairly shallow water. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel the sound of moving through the water. And if I'm breathing, it's probably through a snorkel. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to do when I go on a vacation. Um, the smell would be the smell of uh, seawater. Um, the touch would be uh, the feel of the water in my fingertips. Mm-hmm. And the taste would be um, the sea air again when I come up for air. Yeah. The salt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And are you by yourself? Are you with somebody else? Um, I think I'm by myself. Okay. And what happened right before this moment? Um, I'm not sure what happened, but I'm definitely feeling very peaceful now that I'm in the water. Okay. And in this, right in this moment, so you're snorkeling or kind of just swimming. Um, what are you thinking or what's kind of going through your mind? What's happening for you in that moment? I've always had a weird fear of water. So I try to conquer that by going snorkeling because when I see all the fish and the coral reef, I feel very peaceful. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting such a good image of this. <laughs> and what happened right after this moment? And it can be something like, physically that happened or like thoughts that came up after that story or moment? I really liked seeing all the colors. So that's what I'll take with me when I come out of the water and I feel very calm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And is there anything else that you're thinking or that was coming up for you in that moment, either related to what was kind of happening around you or kind of connected more broadly to your story? Any thoughts that were coming up? Yeah. I really like the sound of ocean waves on my sound machine. That's the setting it's always on. So I really like hearing that sound as I'm getting onto the boat yeah. or going back onto the shore, depending on how deep it is. Yeah. Amazing. And I know when I first or asked you to come up with a, a story or a moment to talk about here, um, I asked you to choose one that was kind of between a moment of a lot of pain or struggle and kind of that beginning of healing. So if you'd like to share, why did you choose this particular moment and how does it kind of bridge those two things? I really think that people that race in water like Silken are very interesting because water, when you go in, it's meant to push back against you. Like when you're trying to walk, you feel the pressure of the water in you. So whether you're in a boat or swimming, I find it interesting that people have this compulsion to keep going through water. I mean, obviously you're born um, 
from, uh, you know, being for better, for worse in liquid. So it's interesting that people have this desire to go back into it, even though it, when it kind of pushes against us. Mm -hmm. So I think that's interesting in terms of feelings that, you know, there's a, a, a lot of people are afraid of the water, but I think what they're really afraid of is losing control. Absolutely. And that's a really good way to think about that moment in between where like when we're coming out of something that's been really, really challenging in our lives and something that's been the source of a lot of pain. And then like kind of that, yeah, not like aha moment, but I guess, yeah, kind of situation when you realize, you know, you're going to move towards healing, but that it's not necessarily going to be easy. And it's something you're gonna have to move through like water, like you said. Um, yeah, I really, really love that. And I'm curious what, what it was like for you to kind of revisit that moment right here um, in our conversation and like bring up some of those um, very vivid details about that moment in particular, um, what that was like for you. It was really transformative because it makes me think of going on trips, which are something I really like to do, especially with my husband. So whether I'm going someplace or not where I can go in water, it's something that I'm always thinking of. Mm -hmm. Even last night I was preparing for this and I went to do swimming for laps in the pool just to kind of think about some of the answers that I wanted to come up with today. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so glad you have that like deep connection with water um, because it's, yeah, I mean, nature in general, I think, um, many of us don't have enough, uh, time with whether it's just, you know, the constraints of our lives or, or whatnot, um, because it's powerful, like really how we're, we're connected to it and can just gather inspiration or ideas or metaphors or just ways of thinking about things like you've been talking about and, you know, this whole time and having water as that through line is a really beautiful thing. So yeah, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Those were excellent props. I really enjoyed kind of challenging myself with those. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, and I guess really just to wrap up, um, I would love to know if there's anything that you'd like to share with our listeners audience, um, either something that, you know, you're really passionate about, whether, you know, that's in research or, you know, something that um, just kind of means something to you or uh, takeaway message, any of those kinds of things that you would like to leave our listeners with. And our, our audience is primarily youth. Um, so you can target your answer towards them. Um, but we've also got lots of other people listening too. I think the last three years have been really difficult for a lot of people. Um, obviously I'm a supporter of the healthcare system, but when we first had the shutdowns and delayed events, my first thought was, oh, this is going to be very hard on a lot of people who've either had mental illness or are going to experience it for the first time. So I think there's a lot that people are still unpacking, especially with someone on the ACD spectrum, not having predictability and always wondering about what things are going to do and change. And even now that we've got um, the pandemic under control, people are always going to be thinking, okay, what's next? Or, you know, what else is coming? But trying to remember there were a lot of things that people did good uh, during that time. I met some people online I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet otherwise. And I really liked how people kind of switched up things. I enjoyed seeing what my students did when they were online um, as opposed to in person. They were very creative, um, as well as 
other things that people tried to do to keep things going. I saw a whole musical with my students that people put online. I thought that was great. So this idea that, you know, even in really dire circumstances, people can find ways to get through things or at least try to muddle their way through as best as they can. So I think that's something people are going to be still grappling with for the next few years, but continue to come out of that and try to make things in society better than maybe we took for granted before, like in essential workers and other people that are important in society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Struggle, pain, and gratitude. And a lot of good things all kind of coexist. And it's really amazing to reflect back on that. I think especially the pandemic when so much was taken from so many people, like it impacted everyone, of course, but then being able to see some of the the good that, that we were able to pull from it, um, despite like just, you know, the most unprecedented thing that could have happened. So that's really amazing that, yeah, you're able to reflect on it in that way. So thank you. And thank you for sharing that with with everybody, um, a very important reminder. All right, well, thank you so much. Amazing. <laughs> thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I love the water metaphor, like all of that and and everything that you shared today has been, I mean, it's definitely helped me kind of reframe a lot of things that um, I've needed to think about. And um, as always, it's great to connect with you and your story and kind of the things that you've shared. So thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Braving the Waves and Bridging the Gap podcast. You can find much more information about this week's storyteller, resources, and related links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, leave a review, and follow us on socials. And lastly, don't ever forget that you are unsinkable. Just being here, listening, helps you swim and keep your boat afloat. Thanks everyone.